They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarashuk. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. I say this all the time. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. All right. And with that, we are rocking and we are rolling because this is Talking with Tarashuk. And today is a little bit different. It's another one of those shows where I have no idea what the hell I'm going to talk about. But I do know who I'm talking with. And that is one of my best friends in the entire world. He is the co-founder of the Seedling Agency. He is a former colleague and co-worker of mine. I am in his goddamn wedding. We just got back from Miami this past weekend on his bachelor party. <laughs> so many things happened there. The one and only Chris... Scally, Chris, how the hell are you, man? It's so good to see you. You, you look even tanner now that we're back in Jersey. I know. It's, um, I tell you, every time I go away to a different state, different country, and I come back to New Jersey, to Jersey, I actually turn as dark as this shirt. Yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the Sicilian skin. Even when I go skiing, like even in the negative 10 degree weather, I still get a tan. It's, it's, so. it's uh, as long as there's sun. <laughs> as long as there's sun, you're gonna get cooked. It wasn't just you, dude. It was your whole family. Like how 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 I've been describing this trip to uh, people like at work or at home, like whatever I'm talking to. I'm just like picture the Jersey Shore, this being implanted in the heart of Miami and bawling out. That's what this trip was like. Because your fucking family, dude, <laughs> psychopaths in the best way possible. We're, we're nuts, but you know the people. <laughs> but the people that I wanted there was you know is was only family, you know, and I consider yeah. you as family because I known you for so long, and you know Greg and uh, Baldwill um, and you. It was just a blessing just to have everyone there and just and us just partying, you know, in that gorgeous pool. I never seen a pool like that in my life. No, Remember never. Remember, I was doing. I go, guys, crocodile. Remember, I was doing the. Yeah, dude, the the goddamn crocodile. I mean, I. Why? I guess crocodile is appropriate for 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 Florida, but like you know, I in the beach. I don't even know what I would call it, but I'd be in the beach, like on on all fours, pretty much in the planking position, while the waves come in and out and they just drag you in and out. And you just kind of stay in your ground and do what you can do. But it's like, will it's the crocodile? I'm the, for fuck's sake, Chris, the crocodile. Like it's just Chris Scally comedy right there. It, it, it just, it just had to be done. It literally just had to be done. But overall that trip and us just partying like all day and then going into the restaurant, I was, I was trying to explain to people, maybe we could tell our, our listeners, um, the steakhouse experience. Oh my dear Lord. Yeah. I don't even, honestly, I don't even know what it was. First of all, it's called Poppy Steakhouse, which, <laughs> Like, oh, Poppy, like the weirdest name for a steakhouse. Like we pull up, first off, the doors are too heavy to open by yourself. Like the bouncers have to open the doors. They do. And you walk in, you hear, like this club music. I'm like, where the 
fuck? Where are we? <laughs> what are we I personally doing thought here? it was just going to be a casual steakhouse. Almost like you go to Wolfgang's and, yeah. you know, um, yeah, like, like, I, like we've, we've both been to nice steakhouses um, in, well, in New York City and me in Boston as well. Um, and the previously, previously the best steak I ever had, So, because I don't know if I ever told you this, but the best steak I ever had was at my mom's 50th birthday party. We went to Abe and Louie's in Boston. And we got a limo service. We picked a limo from my house, drove into Boston. They took the whole family there. And the steak I ordered was, I believe it was a, it was a filet. It was a filet wrapped in bacon with a oh scallop God. in the middle. How, that's a, now that's a certain turf. Right? Dead ass, dude. It's like you cut into it and it's just a, a, sca, a scallop or scallop, depending where you're from. Dead smack in the middle. And up to that point, that was the best meal I've ever had. And I, I do stick to that was the best thing I've ever had, probably up until the Wagyu from just a yes. few days ago. The ladies and gentlemen and others, but this was a 55-ounce Japanese A5 Wagyu steak, $1,000, that they took out of a suitcase with rave music. Yeah, the fucking Godfather <laughs> theme, dude. Like, that was a thing, because, like, how the, how this worked was the air siren goes off, right? And, like, all the servers come over. There's, like, an air horn. They're screaming and all this. I'm just like, oh, what the hell is going on here? And then he opened his steak and was going, woo! And then for us, I was just like, I heard a siren. I was like, oh, who's next? I hear the Godfather theme. I'm like, the Godfather theme? And then I see him coming towards us. I'm like, already that's us? <laughs> Shit, all right. <laughs> and, and remember, like, I think it, I was against it. I was me even against getting the steak. Yeah, me and you. It was me and you. I think, I want to say Greg was too for a hot minute. Because uh, I thought there was three, but no, it was just me and you. And I think it come vote time, I think Greg went for it. But yeah, it was just me and you. And goddamn Chris, I got to say, I've never been more happy to be wrong in my life. I w- we were totally wrong, but and let alone our waiter gave it it's even a, a crazier experience as well. Yeah, dude, if you ever need to go to waiter school, like, talk to this guy. This guy was, like, probably in his mid-50s, just amped up. Like, when we told him we are going to do a $1,000 steak, a waiter had to hold him back. <laughs> he was so yes. excited. A waiter dead ass had to hold him back. He's like, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. It was and, just like, and, then jo- and then John going, let's do it again when the steak came out with the, with the freaking cattle prong. Well, it was it was his idea because he was he saw it going around. He's like, "How much is a thousand dollars?" He's like, "We're doing it," and it's just like, "No, I want, like, <laughs> we wanted to do a few steaks, like a few porterhouses, like something the big, like the the T bone, whatever." And it was like, "No, fifty five ounce wagyu, a thousand dollars, like it's a hundred bucks a pop." I'm like, "Yeah, with everything else, <laughs> like yeah, with, it, with everything, yeah." I think, the, 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 the night before at that Italian place, we spent like hundred seventeen dollars each for the whole meal. Which is great. Right, this was $100 just for this one meal. But I think the bill was like the over bill 3000 The bill was like 30 3300 bucks, <laughs> something like that. Something absolutely ridiculous. But you know what, Chris? Johnny Menzel was across, was across the table from us. So He was, and I asked him how he liked his steak. He said he liked it. That's good. What do you get? Do you know? No. He, I think he, he probably got, knowing him, he probably got a porterhouse. He's a big guy. He is, he, is, he is a big guy, and he's still – I mean, what's he doing now? He's out of football. He's out of football. I think why, he's at the end. Why was he out of football? What actually happens? He, he just partied too much, and 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 then he played. He was the number one draft pick for the for the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Won the Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. and then when he went to Cleveland, he kind of just partied too much, and 
Um, unfortunately, they kind of kicked him to the curb, and then other teams tried to pick him up, and it just didn't work out. Um, but he was such an unbelievable quarterback, and I remember watching him play um, at Texas A&M. That's where he went, and he beat number one Alabama at Texas A&M, home of the 12th man. And I never seen a guy throwing video game numbers and video game rushing yards and beat Alabama and the whole stadium just bullhorned the field. Didn't Texas A&M just beat Alabama like this season, this past season? If I'm not mistaken, we will probably have to look it up, but I think they probably A&M, the Aggies, who, came back for a did, repeat. Who did they? Because I was at your house when we watched that game and they all watched the stadium. They watched, watched the field. Yes, we, we I were think, watching that game. I think it was Texas A and M. It's like the, the like the burgundy colors or dark, yes, dark red colors. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Texas. Damn, they beat him. They beat him up some twice. Well, Cal, I guess that is what we call a uh, an Achilles heel in the sports yeah. business. Oh, that's a, some, that's actually I'm a big in sports, and that's something that I didn't know. But uh, well, you're a sports, Bucks fan, so I am. I am. How, we're terrible. I don't know if I ever. I, I might have asked you this before, but it's fun to rehash. Now you're from from Jersey. From Jersey, I understand why you're not a Jets or Giants fan, you know. But the Bucks, where the Bucks? How did you love from the Bucks? Where'd that come from? So this is the whole story about how I kind of fell in love into being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Um, my cousin Lisa married this gentleman named Brett. Um, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, but he got me into the Bucks because he came over one day when Lisa introduced us to him. And we you know we started talking football yeah. and and uh, he goes, he goes, who's your football team? And I go, well, you know, I kind of don't really have one. Um, he goes, well, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan and here's why you should be one. And he goes, we play in this pirate ship with a... <laughs> with the stadium with a pirate ship and they fire the cannons. And, and then he showed me all these players like Joey Galloway and Warren Sapp. I go sold. And ever since then, and he, let alone, he showed me the jerseys, like the, the old school creamsicle ones with yeah. captain fear on them. And that really just got me. And I go, and it wasn't when you're 10 years old, who doesn't like pirates? And the swords and the blood red colors and yeah, and I just, that's fair. That, it's that's, a that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you 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 drive you, you drive towards something that's just stupid when you're a kid. Nothing's nothing's dumber than grown men with fake teeth and a fake like fighting up to plunder and gold and parrots and booty. Booty, <laughs> booty, pirates, booty, and also I looked up the history of the Buccaneers. Just not just like the team, but you know, back in the day, and yeah. they were they were quite. Savages, man. Dude, go on, uh, go on Netflix, and I forget the. It's like the Pirate Par- Lost Pirate Kingdom or something. It's like okay. a, it's like a four part documentary series. It talks about like the ends, like the like the, the rise and pretty much the rise and fall of the pirate empire. It didn't really last that long. Um, and they told the story of like Blackbeard, and it was like right before the American Revolution. So I was watching. I was like, "Damn, dude! Pirates literally led to the American Revolution." <laughs> you kind of think about it. They did. Why? I mean, how? How? I mean, not really, but like, um, when the pirates, because they were, um, maybe it was after. I think it was before or after the American Revolution. But pirates pretty much formed this society when like privateers broke off from England after I think it was the War of whatever or the French and Indian War. They didn't have any jobs, so. 
they all just broke off and started plundering, and they they formed on what's modern day Nassau in the Bahamas. Okay, and they pretty much yeah. just formed like Pirates Cove, which is now mini golf, and like they pretty <laughs> yeah. much formed like a democracy or, or a mini republic where you know majority rules, they vote, they have leadership, which literally was like the basis for what became modern day America. There's no direct tie, but I made the connection. It was a Willie T original. It was like, oh, they pretty much they pretty much did America just in pirate form. <laughs> you know, well, there's one there's one thing about you, like every time like you know we hang out or we're doing something like this and you know we crack open a beer on my on my couch or your couch, um, you always have these very interesting facts. And I to be quite honest, I actually I learned from you from them because there's some things that I just don't know. So like are you like a historian? Like do you like I mean I know, um, do you, are you like always been like a history buff and everything? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, I probably butchered that whole pirate thing. So I was going off memory. I didn't write anything down, but I am a fountain of this useless knowledge. Um, I love learning new things. It's kind of my like philosophy of, you know, I always, I always need to be improving. I always need to be doing something. I always need to be better than the next day as I was the previous day. And, I just I travel and find things what I find that I find interesting, which I think is a big reason why I gravitate towards a Joe Rogan podcast so much because he does the same thing. And a lot of things I learn, a lot of things I tell you or stuff I pick up is a lot of just random fun facts that I get from listening to Joe Rogan's guests. And I know that's kind of taboo to say nowadays because ooh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, I know. But but like no, I mean that seriously, like I, I am just generally interested and curious about so many different things, and it's the, it's the random things that stick with me. It was just a Netflix documentary. Ooh, pirates. I was like, Chris would get a kick out of this. <laughs> so I think I was, just uh, waiting, I was just waiting for the perfect time to tell you. <laughs> hey, you know what it did? And to kind of piggyback all of you, um, I've been obsessed with, um, well, Carly's mom, uh, everyone knows that's my fiance, um, she gave us her Disney Plus subscription. Oh. And I've been sinking my teeth into the Drain the Oceans series on Disney plus. Oh, and when God. I have to say they are spectacular. Well, what's, like, what's, what's drain the oceans? What is it? So drain the oceans is this, uh, document it's, they have each episode, and it's a documentary and they, for example, they did drain the oceans on the Titanic and they, they, these divers, they went out to the Titanic. I believe like it sank somewhere out in Ireland and they got these cameras and they, they put them in the, in the ocean. They gather maybe about a year and a half of, data and then they compile it into cgi and then they sh- and then they show you what the titanic looks like without the water and then they, they actually go through the crevices of the titanic and they go through every nut and bolt of how it sank and it's and then they go into the parameters of how far the bow is away from the stern and and they even go through each debris field of what's in there it's it's spectacular. I gotta and watch I, it. That's crazy. Because yeah, I'm glad you said Titanic. Because me and you, me and you have this this shared love of the movie Titanic, like no two male best friends should have. <laughs> like it's the best movie of all time. It's, it is. It is my favorite movie of all time. And actually, it's me and Jazz making a tradition where we watch it every year on or around my birthday. Um, so that's good. And I told you this story, right? So last year, um, it was our first birthdays together. And I was like, okay, you know, romantic moment. I want to watch Titanic. And because she also loves the movie. And it got to the point where, you know, 
Jack pretty much corners Rose in the gym. He's like, they have you trapped, Rose. You're a dumbass. What are you doing, essentially? And yes. he's just like, you know, aggressive move, Jack. He's like, you're a spoiled little brat even. It's like, fuck, Jack, you're shooting your shot, I guess. And he's all moping up on um, the bow. And like, Rose is at dinner and her mom's talking shit about her while she's right there. She was, her mom's like, like, Rose chose lavender for the wedding gown. It's because she knew I wouldn't like it. What a bitch. And Rose is saying, like, bitch, I'm right here. Hello. And then she's like, all right, fuck this. I'm going with, I'm going with the poor on bow. So like, it's that whole scene where like, you know, like I'm flying. And they're literally the most romantic scene in the whole movie. And like Jazz just goes, you had fourth smokestack. It was only there for show, right? It doesn't actually do anything. And I was like, Jazz, out of all the fucking times you could have done this and let me know that the fourth smokestack was there just for show. You pick this scene. <laughs> it, it could have been she, she. It could have been during bagels. It could have been maybe during coffee. But they she just. Do, she just. It could have been during the movie when Jack's going. I'm the king of the world, and he does the panning back shot of the whole ship, or literally any time James Cameron has a wide shot of the whole ship. It happens fifty times before the most romantic scene of the movie. Yes, I agree. I mean, she could have done it, especially when, when. By the way, Rose is a, is a savage bitch. By the way, she's a villain. She's, she's the worst. She's the worst. Right. She really we'll is. Get to, we'll get to that in a minute. But with the smokestack, um, she, um, the smokestack, she, Jazz could have mentioned it. You know, as as an old Rose goes, and I could smell, and I could still smell the fresh paint. But Titanic yeah. was a sea of dreams, and then it goes into. The, t- the present moment of the yeah. Titanic. Yep. We could quote that whole damn movie for all, for all I care. Yeah, we can't. It's been 84 years. Just tell us anything, anything at all. <laughs> if you want to hear the story or not, Mr. Lovett, for fuck's sake, let the old lady talk. <laughs> Meanwhile, did Mr. Lovett know she had the heart of the ocean? Dude, did you ever see the alternate ending? No. You've never seen the... Okay, go to... Okay, after we're done here, I'm going to send you a link to YouTube <laughs> of the alternate ending to Titanic. Spoiler, the ship doesn't sink. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> it's it's when Rose is on the back of the boat, back of the the, the Keldish, and she yeah. has the diamonds. Um, It's when the granddaughter is, like, hitting on Brock, and he's just like, six years, thinking nothing but Titanic... And I never got it. They they see Rose like standing on the ledge. They think she's gonna jump off. So they go down there and like try and stop her. And she's just like, she shows him the necklace. And, and, and the, the, the fat guy comes down. He's like, You've had this the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> then then he they, she pretty much convinces Brock to let it go and she throws it over. And he just goes, the fat guy just goes, Gee, that really sucks, lady. <laughs> and he storms <laughs> off. And then she goes. She goes to bed. She dies or goes to sleep, and it's the whole end of the movie. But like, they almost that was an alternate ending. And I want you to see it, and you'll come back and let me know what you think. But I'm so glad they didn't do it because, like, the whole heart of the ocean is such a red herring to me. Where it's like the movie starts out as it's about the diamonds, but it's not at all about the diamonds. What is what's it about? Do you think it's about love? It's about love. It's Romeo and Juliet on a boat. That's that's what the story is. But you know, like Brock isn't the main character. Brock Lovett is just a treasure hunter who happened to meet eat like a hundred four year old Rose. She's a really old, goddamn liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly an old goddamn savage. 
So at, at at the end, Chris, let me ask you: Did did Rose die in her bed, or is she just dreaming? Oh, I she died in her sleep. She died because, in her sleep. Yeah, I think so too. Because wherever when Jack and her they were on the. Oh no! I think it was maybe before they were in the water, but she was like, "Oh no, no!" It was when Jack water. was going to die, water, and yeah. she goes, "You're going to be an old lady. You're going to die in your bed. And you're going you're to have like babies and whatever." And she winded up living like that ravenous life. There is some. There is some poetic justice. Well, if we want to know another fun fact from Titanic, uh, the composer James Horner, um, he died in a plane accident like five, when? four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he was like a pilot. He was also a pilot, and he it was like a small passenger airplane. It crashed in a field, and him and a few other people died. Oh, my God. See, when I hear when people, like, die in a plane crash, or, like, a celebrity, or, like, not even a celebrity, but just, like, anyone, it's terrible. That's the worst way to go. I'm not going to lie. Every time, like, even on our trip, before I stepped on the plane, I go, well, this might be it. And I step right yeah. on. Step yeah. Step right on. Isn't it kind of crazy how we're trusting to be 33,000 feet in the air? And me and you were talking about Captain Sully even before we got on the plane. Yeah. And, and then 9-11 and all that other stuff. I don't know. I think air travel is so safe. I'm not saying because TSA does a good job. Um, but I think it's the, 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 the act of flying through the air where the planes are so technologically advanced. Now, like, the pirates is there to keep – it's like a test. Of the, it's just there to keep the hand on the steering wheel. Um, but – I can't imagine, like, going down on an airplane that without it being sexual. <laughs> I believe those oxygen tanks they give you is for to kind of you to kind of it's full oxygen. Yeah, it's just oxygen, so it's so you can breathe while you plunge to your death. Yeah, but I think it's kind of almost to comatose you a little bit before you die. From what maybe, I heard, maybe. I mean, I, I hope I never find out. I hope I never find out neither. I don't but know. I mean, if I. But if I was ever on a plane that was like hijacked or, I mean, I, mean, I think of those people like on flight 92 and how they fall for their lives. I would do the same fucking thing. Oh, you died at 93? Yeah. Dude, I went down the rabbit hole recently. Um, I was listening to Tim Dillon. Uh, Tim Dillon had Rogan on his podcast, which is a nice twist because Rogan doesn't do podcasts that often. And Tim Dillon mentioned this um this this nine this nine eleven like this five hour nine eleven documentary called um nine eleven like the new Pearl Harbor or something like that. Okay. Where this this dude from Italy, I don't know why this fucking Italian guy went so balls deep, but this guy from Italy just went in on not that nine eleven like didn't happen, but how how the U.S. government's telling of 9-11 is that there's so many plot holes. So he's not one of those people who denies planes hit the building, but he's, he's, he raises valid questions that the government just can't answer or hasn't answered. He wants to like a new investigation into it. And let me tell you, dude, there is some stuff in that, you can find a full five hours on YouTube that is just absolutely wild. Like for example, they had like phone calls from cell phones from people in one of the hijacked planes where if they're that high in the air because they're being tracked by air comm controllers, it's impossible to make those calls. Like, we were up in the air 30,000 feet, and I had no service. It's 2022. No. This is only 20 years ago. Even though Kia brick phone can't do that shit. So it's just like, well, they could have used the air phone, but no, there's no yeah. record of the air phone. So it's just like, well, what, how? How did this actually happen? 
It's just like there's so many questions of 9-11 that just haven't been answered. It's just like if you actually look into it, it's absolutely wild. It's terrifying. Really? It's terrifying. So even those people that were like saying goodbyes? Like those people are dead. Don't get me wrong. Like those people oh, are yeah, no, dead. Oh, you know, they're dead. But I'm saying, but but like those phone calls that they were making, is that kind of like what he was just talking he about? He wasn't like drawing any, I don't think he was necessarily drawing conclusions. He was just asking questions. Like, okay, like how do you explain this? Like, could it be this or could it be that? He's not one of those conspiracy theorists saying this is how it is. It's for a fact. But he's like, listen, we need we need these questions here. Like when um, uh, when Tower Seven collapsed, like before Tower Seven collapsed, <coughs> there was eyewitness reports and even news footage of explosions going off around the building before Tower Seven collapsed. And the fact that it looks like a controlled demolition, it's just like what the government told us. This doesn't add up. And he's not saying this is definitely how it happened, but he's saying like. Well, how do you answer these questions that we clearly have that you are refusing to answer? Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, how, mean, old, how old were you during 9-11? I was in second grade. Second so, grade? No, you had to be older. I was in first grade. You had to be older. You're older than me. Yeah, maybe I was like, oh, yeah, no, I was in third grade. Because, no, you're you're what, 31? 30, 32. 32, and I just turned 27. So you are five years older than me. So you would have been in, like, fifth grade. <laughs> Oh my God! It seems like wait, oh, Jesus. Well, how old? When were you born? 80, <laughs> 89. 89? So you would have been like twelve. Yeah, so I was older. <laughs> God damn it, Chris! <laughs> you're, sec- you're eight years old in second grade. <laughs> you know why? Because it's just I don't know. Uh, I, I I mean I can't believe I do remember the day very vividly though. I do. So tell me what it was like for you. So, um, so in a nutshell. I remember we heard the intercoms go off and then my social studies teacher, Mr. Pringle, turns on, his name was Mr. Pringle, our social studies teacher, full on Republican. I love him. (laughs) And and that's kind of, and then, uh, but anyway, um, he turned on the TV and he goes like, guys, like, this is, you need to go, go into terrorism and whatnot and everything. And I remember seeing one of the planes hit into the North tower and, uh, I go, oh my God, I go, this is insane. And I remember seeing the World Trade Centers going to the Yankee game. Yeah. And so then then they started evacuating all the kids, like the students, including myself. And then um, we weren't allowed to go home unless the parents were there. Mm-hmm. So my dad was at work. And then, because I go to ring the doorbell and no one answers. And I go, okay, and in my mind, okay, my dad's at work, but where's my mom? She's usually like, my mom's home. And then I winded up going to my neighbor's house. That's where I got dropped off. And then later I found out my mom got hit by a car on 9-11 because she was rushing to get home because she saw it on the TV. And if my mom didn't have a helmet on, she would have been dead. And then my, because my dad was at the hospital and that's where my parents were. Wow. (laughs) That's wow. That's wild. I was, was in, I was in first grade. I remember very little. Um, I'll never forget Nakia's story. You should ask. Oh, me. yeah. Nakia ever tell you the story about her 9-11 story? No. So her mom. Oh, it was amazing. Her mom. Shout out to Nakia, by the way. I love that one. I'm trying, I'm trying to get her on the show as soon as possible. I miss her. She gave me, I got, we got to, we got to talk about her. Cause she gave me one of, she gave me an opportunity that, that one. Me too. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about Nakia cause me, me and Nakia go way back, but let me tell the story first. So Nakia. Yeah. Nakia is Chris's and I's old boss uh, from the Karma Network, uh, my first job out of college. And 
It was the anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Since 9-11, the first 9-11 when I was working. So 9-11, 2017. <sighs> and we're sitting in a conference room. And she tells me that her mom worked in, I think, the South Tower. It was the, the second one that got hit. So, and she was, like, up on the floors where the second plane would have hit. That's where she worked. Oh. Or, or, or a few floors above or below. So they evacuated. And when they got to the base floor, um, they told them to go back up. And Nakia's mom was just like, uh, no. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And she and they, she just left. She got the hell out of there. And then, then shortly after, the second plane hit. And shortly after that, they came down. And then once the play, the towers collapsed, because the cell tower was on top, so Nakia couldn't get a hold of her. This woman walked from the Lower East Side or wherever the financial district where the towers are to Harlem. She walked like 200 blocks. Oh my God. Because like when the tower collapsed, she was running for her life. Um, and she got covered in all the dust. So when Nakia finally got a hold of her, she was covered in dust. And just like, she couldn't, she couldn't get to a payphone until she got home in Harlem. Could you imagine walking from the, from the America's Fuck You Tower to the 110th Street in Harlem? That is, and let alone, we didn't, ha- there was no, we didn't have iPhones no. back then. No, there was no, no-, no one could get a hold of her. Even if you did, you couldn't get service because the cell tower was destroyed. No, no. Nothing. No iPhones. No Instagram. I don't even fa- was Facebook even. Facebook was even. St- no, nothing. Facebook was two thousand five, like two thousand four, a few years yeah, later. Two thousand four. Nothing. What what a, what a time to be alive. And 9 is what changed everything. Yep, nine eleven uh, was what changed everything. We could go into a whole thing of government and politics. I want to keep talking about Nakia. Um, yes. So did you know Nakia and I interviewed together? <sighs> no. Tell tell me tell me tell me tell me. Okay, so. I want to hear your interview story. I want to know who interviewed you too. But when I when I interviewed, um, first off, it was a phone interview with Neil. Oh my god! And <laughs> after that, he shot me an email like with a group of us saying like you know, I was BCC'd. Saying like, you know we want to we want to bring you in for like an in person interview. Like what are your availability? Can you come in like Monday? I was like, yeah, I'll be in Monday. I'll skip class, of course. Um, so it was like a Monday evening, and. Then he emails us again. He's like, "Hey, hey, pal, uh, change, <laughs> change your plans. Like, we want to do it. We want to have you. We want to bring all the interview candidates in, it's like, to meet the whole group, and we'll pull you aside one by one and do your one-on-one interviews." I was like, "All right, cool. We'll do it on Tuesday. Better. Don't just skip class." So I go in. I'm in my nice suit. Like, you know, I, dude, I wrote up. I see. I have to see if I can find this. I'll send it to you. I wrote up, um, like. With my resume, like a th- like a two page character cover letter saying like you know why I want to work here, why I deserve to work here, my qualifications, like what I bring to the table, like literally like like headings and like bullet points, and, like paragraph lists of like who I am. I totally forgot I did this, so I wrote all that shit out and I bought extra copies for whoever wanted one. I bought like seven or ten copies of it. <laughs> I love it, and I and I had it in like a a leather like portfolio folders was like all nice and official. Um, I go in and they have us all in that main boardroom. You know that main boardroom behind the front desk? Yes. So we're, we're all in. Well, first off, he brings us in there to say, to say like, okay. No, he brings us, he brings all the candidates over to the side one, the one in the corner, um, by like the, by like the, the elephant statue, whatever Karam had in there. 
Yeah. Um, so in that corner office, and there's a guy from Philly there. There's another guy. I'm talking to them. And then there's Nakia. Like, the other guys are relatively my age, maybe a few age, few, few years older. And there's like Nakia, who at the time was like her late 30s. I'm just like, what is this woman doing here? Right? And it's like, really shy. She's like the only one I didn't talk to that whole night. And Neil comes in. He goes, okay, okay, gang. We're going to bring you all in into the other room. And you're just going to, we're just going to introduce you to everybody. I said, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I go in. Um, Karam's there. Tamara's there. Lucy's there. Tim's there. Like, David's there. Like, the whole, like, Timeless and Karma were there. Was Angela there? No, Angela didn't, Angela didn't start working there yet. Okay. Um, And, you know, Neil has this go around, like, you know, introduce yourself, fun fact, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes... Oh yeah, by the way, pal, like by the way, gang, uh behind you, there's like there's wine, there's beer, help yourself. I'm just like, all right. <laughs> I'm like one of the first cans to get up. I'm like, all right, okay. I had a stella, popped it open, had a few sips, and you know, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Um, I was so comfortable. And, you know, pretty much Neil was just like, All right, um, everyone just kind of just get up. Just, you know, meet and greet. Just talk to everybody. I talked to everybody. I talked to literally everybody. I'm going to tell the story so many different times. That's where I speak with uh, Tamara, Nakia, and hopefully Neil if I can get him. It's about what this experience was like. But, you know, I talked to fucking everybody. Cynthia, I even, like, I asked oh, me, I was like, Cynthia. I was like, I was like, Neil, like, yo, like, when are we going to have our one on one He's like, well, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll do it later. He's like, don't worry about it. Just keep, keep mingling. Um, and I remember this one guy from Philly. He left early. Uh, he, he, he had to like, go catch a train or something. I was like, this guy's not getting a job. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Early. So, like, after that, like, uh, Neil's like, all right, guys, we're going to get in the other room. And then, like, before he said that, I went up to Karam. And I was like, yeah. I was like oh, so you're, like, the owner, right? He's like, I'm Will Tarish. I just wanted to say hi and introduce myself. And then um, he put us all into the other room. It's, like, me, Nakia, this other guy. I think it's one other guy. And he goes, all right, guys, like, congratulations. That was your interview. And I was just like, the fuck? Excuse the fuck out of me, what? So, um, and he goes, you know, any questions? Me, I got a question. Now, I was just like, I was just like, he was like, all right, everyone, I just want to ask you, you know, thing privately, whatever. Everyone else leaves the room. And I go to Neil, McNeil, like, you know, talking to other people, like, I just, my one thing, I was like, first off, I had this whole thing set up. I gave him, like, my resume and, like, the, like the, my little color thing I wrote. So, yeah, I, just, I had this whole presentation. I was ready to go. He's just like, yeah, I was like, just show it to everyone who wants it. So, I gave him all the copies. He's like, yeah, thanks, Will. And I go, you know, I just, my one concern is that, you know, this guy from Philly, he had production experience. Like, all these other people have experience. My main thing I want to make clear was, like, listen, I don't want to, to be that, the fact that I'm fresh out of college, to be... To hurt me. Like, I don't want that to be something that goes against me because it's like, I don't, I, I don't think that's fair, essentially. And Neil goes, well, Will, I can't get anything guaranteed, but uh, I think after talking to everybody, you got nothing to worry about. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. Can you have that in writing, please? <laughs> All right, I go home and that Friday I get the job offer. But, you know, out of everyone there, Nakia was the only person I essentially didn't talk to because I knew they had two job openings. And I remember my first day, I walk in, I see Nakia there. I'm like, oh, you're the one they hired. Congratulations. Like, she started a few weeks before me. 
And I sat down, and she goes, I'm so glad you're here. Like, in her Nakia voice, I'm so glad yeah, you're here. Yeah, so like, it's just like, it's just like, you got so much work to take off my hands. And then we were just, we were just off to the races. Nakia was my first boss. And hands down, one of the most influential and important people in my entire life, Nakia Booth. I would have to agree. Dude, imagine that. That's your interview process. You would have shit yourself. In what, in what way? If you were interviewed that way, I don't think you would have. I, I mean, you would have talked to everybody and done yourself, but like, if you found out after the fact that was the interview process, you would have been pacing up and down, up and down, back and forth. You would have been pacing on a train. Like, you had to be stuck back to South Jersey. You wouldn't be stuck on a train. You would have stuck for three nights straight. You would have been just losing your mind. <laughs> I would have been losing my mind. You are 100% because you know how I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I shared an office with you. <laughs> So tell me, tell me what your interview process. Yours was more normal. You had how many? How many rounds did you have? I only had two interviews at Karma. Um, so I prior to Karma and how I got even the interview. This is some vodka, by the way. Love it. Oh, it was Hunter Mulford. Hunter Mulford. Hunter Mulford. I met Hunter Mulford at Fox News when uh, we were interviewing for Fox News for the uh, Junior Reporter Program. And uh, we made it to the last rounds together, and uh, we we did like um, it was a week internship, and the then they would have selected five of us, and it would have been we would have one of the locations was uh, Las Vegas, Georgia, um, I think there was one down in Florida, and so on and so forth, and. I didn't get the job, but this one guy did who I used to work at Casper, Wyoming. And his name was, um, what's his name? Ray Bogan. I'll never forget him. And I go, Ray Bogan? I can't get rid of you. <laughs> and he winded up getting it. And then I, and then I still kept in touch with Hunter. And after that I was, you know, bartending and I was working on the grounds crew at like 4am. And I was, you know, raking the, uh, just raking my, uh, you know, um, what's it called? The divots on the golf course at 4.30, 5 a.m. And, you know, as the day goes on, um, I hear, you know, my phone go off and Hunter goes, hey, Chris, um, there's this job opening for a booking producer at this company called Karma. Are you interested? And I go, yeah, sure. So um, after my shift, um, I got, I went home, showered up and uh, started just researching the company. I go, wow, I never really heard of this before, but let's do it. So I wound up interviewing with Hunter. And then, uh, right after I interviewed with Hunter, she goes, Hey Chris, um, you wind up coming in for an interview to meet me and Nikia. I go, yeah, absolutely. And they go, uh, can you come in tomorrow? And I go, actually, I go, I, I got a bartending shift. Can I come in the next day? She goes, yeah, sure. No problem. So I'm, <laughs> um, you know, I'm all excited for my job interview and you know, I'm bartending and I'm all like, all like giddy and everything. So, you know, I'm making drinks for everyone, shit, shit. And then I winded up slitting my hand open on glass. Oh my God. And I didn't have health insurance. So, <laughs> so what happened was, and I go to the, like my bartender, uh, my boss and I, and I go, do you think I need stitches? He goes, Chris, you're bleeding pretty bad. I go, I have a job interview tomorrow. I have a job interview tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> see that's what i mean you're freaking out now just thinking about it <laughs> and he goes okay he goes don't worry everything's fine he goes it happened on premises so you're gonna get workers comp and there was a hand surgeon at the bar that night 
So he get winded out up of here. So there he yeah, it was nuts. So he winded up getting me through to the ER and they sewed me up. And um and he goes, Listen, I understand you don't have health insurance. So when it's time to heal, um, I'll take out your stitches. And I go, Oh, thank God. I go, You are a gem. I actually I bought him a bottle of wine when I went to his house. Great hand surgeon. So, you know, how much that would have cost without insurance, just taking stitches out of your hand? Dude, I don't even want to think about it. Don't even tell me because I don't even want to. This system is disgusting. It's just insane. So I wind up going to the interview and I, you know, didn't really sleep at all, you know, in the AR. And I winded up taking the express train to the city and I have the, you know, the bandage around my hand and I go in and I, in my suit and I sit down and um, Nakia looks at my hand and goes, rough night. <laughs> and I go, listen, I go, I go, um, I was, I was bartending last night. That's what I've been doing. And also I work at the grounds crew, uh, on the golf course. And I winded up cutting my hand the night before the interview. And she goes, Oh my God. And I go, yeah. And, um, I, you could just tell that she just felt generally just so bad, but also like she kind of see that I was just gun ho and ready to go. Um, so we wound up talking and, you know, she talked, she, she says, Oh wow. I saw you were in Wyoming and you were here and that. And Hunter told me you guys were at Fox news together for a little bit. And I go, yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. And I saw this opportunity come up and I really just want you to give me this chance. I go, I'm a really hard worker. And, um, and I, and one of the things that I go, I absolutely won't let you down. And we just, it wasn't really an interview. It was more just like a casual, just conversation, just about like me, her, and just, you know, how we could just make an impact together. And then, uh, I think it was maybe three days later, I wound up getting a job offer. And I remember I was sitting outside in the early morning with my coffee and I was smoking a cigarette and, uh, it was so hot. And, um, right before my grounds crew shift, um, I was like, well, no, was before, no, it was the ground crews in the morning. I think I was going like, I got back, I got back from the ground screw and I was smoking a bogue and I wind up seeing my phone go off and it said, karma, thank you. And I go, Oh no, I didn't get the job. And then, um, I winded up getting, I read the email and I wind up getting the job and she asked me if I could start tomorrow. I go, I got to get my stitches taken out. How about Monday? She was dumb. <laughs> and, and that Monday we'll get, we'll get into that Monday, but, uh, I actually, I actually still have my email. My, uh, I still have mine too. Uh, my karma email. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, from let's see what I hope, I hope mine was just karma. Thank you. No, mine was karma media. Congratulations. So that was that was much better. That was much better. It says, Will, thank you for your enthusiasm and patience through this process. We are very excited to extend you an offer to work with karma media. I have a legal team work up this form, uh, work this up formally. The offer will be based with the approximately 10% performance incentives. Uh, this will also include our full standards benefits package and three weeks paid time off. And I was just like, yeah, Neil. I was like, I'm never getting rid of this. I'm never getting rid of this uh, email. Oh, actually, thing is, though. Um, I got mine. Wait, can I read you mine? Yes, please. Mine was, oh, my God. Mine was a day after 9-11, September 12th, 2017 at 1.08 p.m. Literally happens uh, a day after that story I just told that Nikia told me. The next day we hired you. That's hilarious. <laughs> the next day you hired me. Um, she goes, hey, uh, good afternoon, Chris. Thank you for your enthusiasm and patience through this process. We're very excited to extend you the offer to work at Karma, having our legal team uh, work up a formal contract. And uh, benefits package, yep. 
etc., etc., etc. And the rest they say is history. Now, what was what was the event? Because it was we were at the Grand Hyatt in near near uh, Grand Central. Yeah, my first day was Concordia. Concordia, okay, it was Concordia. I don't know I was, what the fuck was going on. I forget. I forget which event was which because there was one event. I think it was a Nexus event where I got sick and ended up in the hospital. And then it was Concordia where I met you. So I already got them confused. So it was Concordia. Now, how Concordia worked um, was you guys were downstairs in like the lobby yeah. where you were this kind of – you looked really stressed, I remember. And then I oh, was, yeah, I was so upstairs in like the 10th like floor <laughs> conference room or whatever. And I remember coming down and you're just sitting there like this, head down in your laptop, like in a chair, like your hair done, your little blue suit. And Nick, like, I think Nilo and Nikita goes, hey, this is Chris. Like, oh, hey, what's up, man? I was just super busy. And I was just like, ah, I was all frazzled too. But like, <laughs> there you were. And I was like, this, this is the, this is the fucking guy. This guy right here. <laughs> and, um. So I was expecting like. In onboarding, and they go, yeah, dude, they threw you right. What was that like? Your first day, you're at a conference. So, walk me through it, dude. I, so you know, I prior to the conference on Friday, I was only in there for like a few hours. I met Hunter, and she got me set up with Slack. And she, and she goes, she goes, Oh, yeah, I'll slack you. I go, Yeah, I go, Excuse me, you'll, you'll slap me. She goes, no, slap. Slap you, daddy. Like, oh my God. Literally, right? Um, so you know, and she goes, okay, so we'll meet at Concordia at this time. And I go, Concordia. I go, sounds good to me. Little did I know, I got thrown to the wolves, and they go, they literally wrote me and they go, okay, Chris, we got Tamara goes, all right, we gotta get this meeting booked. We got this meeting booked. We gotta make a spreadsheet. And I go, what? (laughs) <laughs> and I just, and this was going, and this was like three days and I was staying at my old ex-girlfriend's house, Steph's in Hoboken. And, um, I remember I go home just back to her apartment shot. <laughs> like I had sweat rings around my, my suit collar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, a beer never tasted so good. And then I just went to bed, but it was just, I didn't eat. I don't even remember like drinking a sip of water. No, like, I, don't, I, I don't remember eating that that whole time. It really was. I don't even remember what we were doing. <laughs> I just remember it was so busy, which was not standard because working at Karma was very. I loved every second. Well, mostly I did too. Mostly every second I had there. If I could go back and do it again, I would do all of it again. Um, but it was after that. It was after Concordia when I had to bring the equipment back because back then my job was mainly as just like a like a, a high level PA. And it's like an associate producer with a title producer um, and van driver. So I had to bring all the stuff back to either Adorama or the storage unit if we had that at the time. And Nikita yeah. goes, Nikita goes, bring Chris with you. <clears throat> no, I was like, it's <laughs> a good idea. I'll break him in, see what he's like. And then and re- the rest is history. We go into the van, and I remember, I know, we both just pull out Bogues, and we just put on Blink-182, and we start just, like, and then we start just shooting the shit, and and I remember, like, our relationship kind of just picked up so fast. I remember um, us 
doing a serendipitous moment of going to the Ranger game. Cause remember we would always do wind down Fridays at yep. Karma. Yep. And I would, I would always like stay up late and I mean, stay late there. Cause I really, we wanted just to meet people and wow. And then I met Carly and then that's, yeah, that's where I met my fiance. Everyone I actually met her at Karma. So you want, you want to tell that story? How, how are you and Carly met? Now, did you guys, did you guys have any interactions? I I know the story. I know the full story. I was there. You do, you do know uh, the full story. It really it really sparks and kicks off at the holiday party. But did you guys have any interaction, exchange numbers, anything like that before the holiday party? Well, um, I met her. She came into the production room and she goes, "Are you Chris?" And I go, "No, my name is Dan." Just, just no, you like, didn't. And it's to fuck with her because she goes, oh, um, I have a guest for Karma and it's my cousin because Carly's cousin is brilliant and she's on um, like the Forbes 30 under 30. And then, and then, and then later I think she's slacking. She goes like, hey, where are you? I go, I'm in the production room. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, no, I'm Chris. I'm just busting your chops. And then we started like talking and everything. And, um, and then every time I kind of needed something, maybe for graphics, like for like a pitch deck for business development, I would ask it for from her. And then of course we met at the holiday party. Um, I won't get into the nitty gritty there, but I was actually supposed to stay at my brother's apartment. And he goes, no, Chris, you're going to be too drunk when you come over. Mariah's going to be pissed at you. That was his old roommate. And, and then first like Macy goes, if I'm this one other coworker, Macy goes, Oh, you can stay with me. I go, where do you live? She goes, I live in Brooklyn. I go, absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good, call. Good call. I hate Brooklyn. I hate Brooklyn. I, it's a love hate. And then Carly goes, Oh, I live in Hoboken. I go, great. We could go get um old bagel in the morning. And then, and then when we get off the path, we'll go to Brazil's. We'll get a slice of pizza. And, um, and then literally um, after that night, we started hanging out. Uh, we wanted, we had like a lot in common. And then literally, um, we never really, we never really had a first date, me and her. Um, we just hung out. Like I would live, I lived down the shore and then I was literally at our house like every other weekend. And we would do all these galvan trips just around the city and just bar hop and try these different restaurants. And, um, and then literally six months later, she asked me to move in. So I moved in in May. Dude, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Well, first, I'll never forget a few things. Like the Manhattan, Manhattan Mary storage, we were just bringing stuff back. You were talking about Carly and like how you want to go, you all want to go continue going forward. And I was like, you know, whatever. Um, congr- you know, congratulations. Do it, do what makes you happy, do what makes her happy, whatever, whatever. But I'll never forget, was sitting in the office and you just go, hey, Will. <laughs> and you just hold up a key. You just hold up a key and I go, get the fuck out of here. She gave you her, she gave you her, your own key. She gave me a key. She gave me a, with a key and in hand, and I still have it. It's on my keychain. It says lucky fish on it. She lucky knew fish. I like, like the lucky fish and like in the outdoors and shit. So, uh, yeah. yeah you guys getting... really are a cute couple. Like, I, I remember, I remember, I remember telling you early on, like, dude, this chick is obsessed with you. Like, not in a bad way. You like, this chick just, it's like already deeply in love with you. And just like it took, it took you a little bit. It did, it, it did. did take you a little bit because you just got over Steph. Um, I remember you. I walk into the office and like you, because you already got there before me. Walk in the office. It's just like um, 
like some sad song and like newfound glory sad music is playing and i go uh oh chris what happened you're just like i'm so sad <laughs> i was emo i go so yeah, so my- like, i'm heartbroken <laughs> i go my girlfriend i go my girlfriend broke up with me um and i remember my dad my dad goes chris just sack the fuck up already yeah <laughs> I, I, I was just like dude like listen it happens. Fucking get over it already. Do your job. Shut, yeah, shut, up. She, she, shut up and do your job. She, she's fucking, and also that bitch was crazy anyway. God forgive me. But <laughs> well, that's that's why she's an ex. Um, but other than that, you know, um, when, you know. When did you know you wanted to marry Carly? Um, I knew I wanted to marry Carly. Um, that's actually a good question. Um, well, I kind of just, you know, we were dating because I proposed in June. Of, uh, yeah, 2021. Yep. Of 2021. It feels like eight years ago, but it was like a few months ago. Um, I'll probably say like um, after, I'll probably say when we went to this, when we went to my cousin's wedding in Martha's Vineyard, because we were pretty serious then. And then, um, but mostly like when COVID happened. Because mm-hmm. when, Co- when COVID happened, at first I was in denial with COVID, you know, and we both lost our jobs doing during COVID. And, um, you know, that was by far, I mean, that's, that could test anyone's relationship. Yeah. You know, you know, we were both jobless. We had no money coming in and we were just, what the fuck are we gonna do? And I remember we come home that day and we sit on my coffee table over there and we pull out a bottle of tequila and we just start like, you know, having a few drinks and there was a bag of David Sunflower seeds on the table. And she goes, and we both look at each other and we go, Hey, maybe this is the time we should launch seedling our company. And, uh, you know, we always like always had the entrepreneur spirit and our parents have always, you know, they always supported us working for ourselves and we go, Hey, what do we got to lose? And, um, that's when I knew that, you know, we're both in it together. You no, know, when shit hits the fan and, um, that I'll never, I mean, we, she will never forget that moment as long as we live. And, um, you know, it was, it was very challenging. You know, we definitely, I learned a lot from her and, and, uh, you know, uh, I love how talented she is and, you know, I, I hope she learned things from me. Um, but you know, I think that's too trust of any relationship because, you know, when, when I, I've seen in the past when, you know, when shit hits the fan in relationships, either the man or woman, they just kind of just, all right, I'm done. See ya. You know, a relationship is not peaches and cream and neither is a marriage. You know, yeah. You know, you know, I, I saw something the other day. Um, oh my God. What was it? It was pretty much describing like you waking up every day and, you know, you have to make money and work and work hard, but you know, that's what a marriage is. You gotta wake you gotta wake up every day and you gotta work and you gotta make sure that, that everyone's happy. You know, you're happy, your spouse is happy and you know, you have to support one another. And, uh, she's always supported me no matter what. And does not, and I, and that's kind of for that rambled answer, but you know, that's, that's, that's the main reason. That's, that's a great word to describe you, Chris, uh, supportive. Um, because even speaking from personal experience, like you know, whenever I t- whenever I tell you are one of the best hype men, just <laughs> not not only because like no, when, now you're like like you're doing shots, you're making a Mister Isme, you're doing this, you're doing that, but like Mr. it's just like if I'm feeling down, if I just need to be like, if I need an ego boost, if I'm just like whatever, it's like no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm telling you, I'm doing, you're always positive, you're always supportive, it's always just. 
you're doing great, you're killing it, you're gonna be this, you're gonna be that. You're just it's always this positivity. And I don't know how you do it, but you know, there are a few people in this world who see things in me in particular that I just don't see, but I know are there. Like you're one of them, Jared's one of them, uh, my buddy Manny is one of them. Um obviously my parents, but like that means a lot that it just, I know how to explain it, but it's just the fact that you're always there and you always are supportive and you always know just how to hype me up and just make me feel better. It, it's, it really is a testament to who you are as a person and who you are as a friend. Oh man. Uh, Thank you for that. You know, I'm really, I'm really flattered. Um, well, you know, I look at you as family and, you know, we've been through a hell of a ride too. Yeah. You know, I, I, since 2017, we saw each other's growing pains. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a total smooth ride. You know, I remember like during COVID and, um, you go, you know, don't worry, Chris, it's it's gonna work out. It's going to work out. And I think like, you know, I, I've always looked at you as, you know, as, as another brother to me, man. So, um, I think that's what made our, I think that's one of the reasons why you're in my wedding and why I wanted you to come to my bachelor party. And, um, you know, I see you're very talented. I mean, look what you're doing. You I mean, you're doing very, very big things. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, you know, we, we, we feed off each other. And, um, you know, that's what friends are for. I mean, I, I remember seeing, I had friends in the past that, um, you know, it was very unfortunate how they, you know, they weren't your hype man. They kind of, you know, if, you know, they kind of fed off of, you know, like they, sometimes they were jealous of your happiness. Some other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and I, I noticed a lot of people are very jealous of people who work hard. Or like who are like always like, you know, or I think, I think people are personally threatened by work ethic. Dude, I've been, I've been told that a lot. Cause I've been told that people, Jared told me this. He's like, dude, people are intimidated by you. I'm like, who, <laughs> who, 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 like, I'm, I'm not an intimidating person. Cause I think of intimidation. I think of like, you know, personally, like a big, you know, even a big presence, like someone walks like Johnny Manziel, he's got a big presence. Like he was intimidating. Not because he's physically humongous, but you know, he's a presence. Like, I don't, I don't view myself that way, but they've broken down. He's like, no, no, no. You got all these things going on. Like when you talk about podcasting, you're so confident like this, that, and the other. And I go, I guess I can see that as intimidating, but it's like, I've never thought of myself as that kind of <laughs> intimidating presence. No, it's the, you're not, I wouldn't really put it that way. I mean, it's just, you, you know what you want. You're executing on it. And, you know, and other people like to really tend to go back and forth or, um, you know, and also you're taking risks. That's very aggressive. Yeah. Some the, work ethic, just... the work ethic, definitely. I, I've recently, I've been like, damn, my work ethic really is, it really is, it really is that good. Um, it's no, it's not on, up in the back. I would, I would, I would pat you on the back there too, brother. I mean, um, it's important. Also, you know, I mean, hey, I, I have days where, where, you know, I could be a little bit down. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, as, as you know, Harley knows, but, um, you know, but he's, he, as I always say, you gotta pack up the, the bootstraps a little bit and you gotta be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get back on the saddle here. Sometimes I do have the mentality of just like, dude, just, just deal with it. 
Like, just, just nothing you can do about it. You just got to deal with it. Like, um, my mom was asking me a day because I get my anxiety from her. Like, you know how anxious I can be. And, oh, I, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I get it from her. And she's just like, you know, cause I, but I, I've come off my medicine over the past year or so, like completely off. I'm completely off my medicine. Oh, that's um, great. And she's like, how do you cope? And I go, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, well, it, it helps that one, my life is very stable. Um, my anxiety really peaked in high school and early college. My life was unstable, uh, like physically, mentally, emotionally, personally. But now, you know, I got friends I love, that I love hanging out with. I got a girlfriend I'm obsessed with. I got a job I love. I got a side business I'm not struggling with, but I'm still loving. I got my passions. Like I live on solid ground. So it's easier to get off of my anxieties when I am having on solid ground. But when it does happen, I kind of channel it towards my work. Um, like after this podcast is done, like this has a deadline. It's getting we're recording this on Feb- February twenty fourth, but it's getting released on March, I think twenty first, give okay. or take. So like you know, I know what I have to do before that. I got to edit all the clips and make sure they're uploaded, scheduled, and sent over and scheduled for social posts. So like that stresses me out. But I use it to make sure I get it done. Because sometimes it's like, you know, if someone gives me a, like a, a job or like a, a task to do at work, it's just like, all right, let me just get this out of the way. Let me just get it done now. Like, I don't wait around for stuff. Neither do I. I usually sometimes when someone gives me a task, I'm like, okay. It's like, I, I channel my energy. But it's like, well, doesn't that make you anxious? Doesn't that stress you? I'm like, yeah. But stressing out isn't going to make it get done any better. Sometimes you just got to power through. Don't complain and just do it. And just do it. You just got to do it. <laughs> Remember what my cousin Jake said? I don't, I don't, I, I live my life through fear. I live my life in fear. I was like, whoa, that's not <laughs> healthy. That, that's what gets me up every day. He goes, he goes, I don't eat coffee. I live my life in fucking fear. I go like, oh my God. I actually, oh my God. <sighs> Jake, I love him. Dude, your, fam- your family's a riot. Your family is an absolute riot because you got your brothers who not only look like you, but Dom in particular acts a lot like you. He does. A little, little, more of a, little more of a fuck boy. He's got a little more of that fuck boy energy than you do. <laughs> maybe, maybe you aged out of it. Because he's the middle child, right, Dom? Yeah, he, yeah, he's the middle child. How old is he? He's uh, 29, 28. Oh, he's older than me? Okay. I think, yeah, I always forget because him and Anthony are just always so damn close. Yeah. So Then there's Anthony, I, who's just the wild man. Anthony's a wild man. Um, you know, I mean, he, did, he did a great job playing that party, though. He, he played, did. He played it so well. He did. He did. I love my brothers. You know, they're they're great. Um, you know, we we had we had a great growing up together. Um, us us two. You know, we've been through a lot. So what I'm, was what was growing up like for you? Because you like a, a very Italian family. Yeah, um, very very Italian family. That's for sure. Um, well, we, you know, we, we grew up down the shore, uh, in, in Monmouth County and, um, and all of our, my mom and my dad's sides were all in Brooklyn. So we would go there a lot. And then of course to Long Island. So, and then of course, you know, Sunday dinners were anywhere between 12 and one o'clock and my mom, one o'clock, one o'clock yeah. and my mom would be the kitchens closed. Everything will be cleaned up. She goes, if you're hungry, go in the fridge. And like, we never, I remember like also like we were like younger, 
Like we never ate out ever. My mom like always cooked. Really? Um, yes, it was nuts. And then I never really saw my dad really when I was a kid because he was always on call. So I remember like sometimes like he would be eating and then his pager would go off and he would have to run to the emergency room and sometimes he'll stay in the hospital for like three nights at a time. So like, I never really saw him when I was really younger. Um, so it was just like me, my mom and my brothers. But when I did like, and then as I got older, my dad's hours kind of got a little bit better. But, um, when I was younger, we didn't really get to see him that much, but, um, but growing up, it was a lot of fun. And then, and then we lived in this hundred year old farmhouse, which was like really cool. Um, and I remember like seeing ghosts in there. I swore I saw ghosts in that house. It was so haunted. Um, it was like, we lived in the farmhouse and then there was this other barn. And I remember like seeing a picture of the family that lived in that house. Oh God. And it was so creepy. And it was like, so run down. We still, we still have the house now. My grandparents used to live there. And they were right off the boat from Sicily. But I remember like when we were younger, um, I don't know why, I don't know whose idea this was, but we, we got rocks and we just broke all the windows on the farm rocks. And my mom goes like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, wind up like freaking out. And, um, my dad goes, takes us all to his room. He goes like, how much money do you have in your piggy bank? How much money do you have in yours? And little over like I was maybe five and my brothers were like, I don't know. And I was more than five, but it was so long ago. But, you know, they were, we were young. But, you know, we were like, we were ruthless. <laughs> but good kids. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that the three Scally brothers were not at all hard to raise in any way, shape, and form. Always running around. We would go down to the beach club. Um, we went to a beach club for 10 years. And then I remember like my mom, like taking us like in her in, like we all go down like really early in the morning and like I would be in the front and my brothers would be in the back and she would play like these like 80s songs. Like, what were they? Uh, give, um, like Barbara Streisand. Okay. Um, Celine Dion. Uh, oh, and, uh, oh uh, she died. I won't forget somebody. Whitney. Whitney. Houston. Whitney. Whitney. Yeah. Whitney. Fucking Whitney. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. It was a good times. I love, I love growing up. I love growing up in that time period. Now it's a disaster. Everyone's so damn sensitive, but oh well. What are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, are you when are you going to another concert? Well, we do, uh, we got to find, we got to find one to go to. That's not going to cost a million dollars. Like the one that you sent me. Dude, and, the, when we were young tour. That's, that's crazy. That one is fucking nuts. But literally everyone you want to ever see is playing at that tour in Vegas. It's, it's like a festival, right? Yeah, it's like a festival. See, I, okay, that's where I draw the line. I don't, I don't think I can ever, ever do a festival. It's like you're out, you're sweaty, your balls probably you, you smell. Do a I don't tour? know. I could do a warp tour. That's but a like, that, but that, no, but this sounds like camping. Hmm. I'm picturing it's like a warp tour. Yeah. How did you get into how did you get into pop punk? That kind of oh emo, that kind of emo music. I'm trying to think how I got into it. And this uh, like I I probably should I would think I would call myself. Um this this chick named uh Brianna, just Italian chick, and she was like gothic and you know, one of those. And um she got me Sounds hot. So hot. <laughs> <laughs> She got me into Fallout Boy. 
Oh, okay. And she showed me like the first album I was obsessed with is called take this to your grave. And, um, and the song was dead on arrival and I go, Holy shit, this is awesome. And then now four, I had blink One Eighty Two, all the small things. It was track because I, all the small things, how I remember, I'll never forget this. It was track number 18. I had it on repeat. And that's how I got into pop punk and I got into like emo and I have like my guitars and everything. It's freaking nuts. Do you remember the first album you ever bought? The first album I ever bought was um, Blink-182, um, the Mark Tom and Travis show Strikes Back. Mm. So that's one of their original ones. One of the original ones. And I mean, remember, um, I've, I never heard so many dirty words in a CD. <laughs> I think mine, not, not I remember, because it's fifth grade, 2005, when I really started getting into, into music, my own music. Uh, it was Green Day, American Idiot. Ah, that's, yeah, that's, you're a big Green Day fan. I do, I, I do, I do like Green Day. I mean, it's the first time I ever bought like 2005, uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Holiday, American Idiot, and like Jesus Suburbia were huge, huge hits. Huge. From huge. there, I started watching MTV. Even though my, my mom didn't want me to. My mom didn't want me, didn't want. Yeah, my mom did not want me watching music videos. Why? So, I don't know. So I'd, I'd wait until she left for work before school and I'd put on MTV and start watching music videos. And that was, was the prime time. You get up at like 6.30, 7 a.m. and you're watching music videos, having your breakfast, and you go catch the bus. Yeah, yeah. She didn't know, I don't know. She didn't like me watching MTV. So it was it was Green Day, uh, The Gorillas, because Feel Good Inc. was huge. Oh, yeah. And dude, I, loved, I still love The Gorillas to this day. They're, on Melancholy Hill is one of the best songs ever made. Um, I never, I never heard of that song. All I heard is their like original, like you know that that famous one. Yeah, feel, feel good, Inc. Yeah, feel good, Inc. That's the only. Feel good. Um, Nickelback. I, I was a fan of Nickelback in my youth. You, wait. Photograph, dude. It was, it was, it was on all the time on MTV for music videos. So like, I like Nickelback. I mean, Nickelback is good. I mean, I don't Dude, they get hate for no reason, all right? They, they do. They get hate because it's fashionably cool to hate Nickelback on the internet. I know for no for no good reason. I mean, they're the pineapple on pizza of bands. They are the pineapple of pizza of bands. You know what? And every every time they put out content music, it's. Still the same. They didn't lose their touch. What about like, and also back then he got stained, three doors down, uh-huh. three days grace, a lot of threes. Ah, uh, dude, uh, high school me. Okay, so high school me, I had this playlist because I loved, I loved three days grace. Like, loved three days grace. Um, I loved Lincoln Park. Oh, yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah, Chester. But Lincoln Park was one of my favorite bands. But then I also loved Eminem and Drake. Yes. Um, so I put a I put a playlist together of those four artists in one playlist. How was it? Because it was just all the music I listened to in high school. It was magnificent. I called it three days of uh, three days of Eminem and Drake's Park. <laughs> That's what I called That's the playlist. Good. That's I like, okay, good, how, man. How can I mix all these bands together? And it was, yeah, three days of Eminem and Drake's Park. And it was just, like, all of their music. 
all in one place. I might make that playlist again on Spotify and throw it up there. Public, if anyone wants to listen to it. Um, I, I do like your music. Yeah, my, I, my music's weird. I listen to it. I listen to way too much music. Mine is just the same shit. I just like doing like the pop punk stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the acoustic. I do have a little bit of hip hop here and there, you know, like when I run and whatnot. Um, actually, I do got, speaking of running, I have to get my shit together. I kind of, I do, I shit the bed so bad. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I, it's, 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 it's a recovery week this week. You can start again next week. I know I should. Well, I have the New York City half marathon coming up in, in March 20th. Did I tell you I qual- I qualified for that in 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 uh, November? How do you how do you qualify for marathons? So for this, I submitted my you you have to submit a time, and you have to do like a like a, uh, a what's the word I'm looking for? Like what's the word like when it's like an evaluation? You know, like a certified, like I would call it certified race, like one that's like. Oh, okay. It's like a, qualif- like a qualifier per se. Yes. So I did the Philadelphia half marathon and then I, and then at, and then when you do a marathon, you have to submit your times and then you can either go in by submitting your times and, or doing it through, um, like a, like a raffle. So I kind of, so I did one of those and I was like, ah, fuck it. I go, I didn't think I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get in. I'm not really fast enough and I winded up getting in. So, um, I have that and this will be my third half marathon. Um, I didn't, I'm not going to lie. I shit the bed on training hard, but, um, I should bounce back pretty soon. <laughs> I'm going to go running this weekend. So I do have to do a long run. How'd, so. how'd you guys get the run club? Cause I was relatively new. Was it, Greg, yeah. was, was it Greg? Was it cousin Greg? It was cousin Greg and, and, uh, Sarah, and Sarah. And Sarah, run club. they, you know, they got me into run club. Like, oh, Chris. Oh, and Carly, Carly. Like, Yo, I, gotta get, I gotta get Greg on this podcast. That would be something else. We gotta, you gotta get Greg on this podcast. <laughs> you can do me, you and Greg. <laughs> yes. I can do up to three guests. So me, like me, you, Greg and Nap. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. He actually just called me. So I gotta like call him back. But, um, they, and then we winded up my first half marathon. We winded up, we were over here for drinks and we signed up for the, for the Atlantic city half marathon hammered. And then the next day we go, looks like we got to train for a marathon. <laughs> so honestly, it's a lot of fun. And by the way, when you cross the finish line, I can't describe the feeling. But I can, I can it, only imagine. It's probably such a high. It is such a high, but also the entire race, you have people cheering you on. Yeah. And you have all the time stamps and, you, and you're just jamming out to music. But at mile 10, that's what hell feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go like, fuck, I got like third, I got three and a half miles more to go. And then, but you're hustling, you're like sucking your energy drills and then you're literally just sweating bullets. And when, but when you see the finish line and then you press on that timestamp and then they call your name, it's just you. I scream on the top of my lungs. I kind of feel like I won the Super Bowl. I I've seen the videos. I remember. Uh, I think it was a Philly marathon. You, had, you just had the mustache. I just um no the Philly no the Atlantic City half marathon. Oh, is it I AC did, marathon, I, dude? I remember one day you came into work. I walked in the office and it was just you with that, that mustache. And we went into the we went into the green room or like the uh, the white psych room, and you took a picture of you holding the slate. Yes. Remember that? Dude, this, I, don't know. I don't know what you were thinking. I told you to get rid of it immediately. I don't even I don't, remember why you did the mustache, but it was 
the I weirdest just, thing I've ever seen. I had to try it. I absolutely had no excuse not to. I did it during COVID. I saw a picture of me with just a mustache the other day, and I was like, "Wow, I'm never doing that again." I, I like this look. It's the, the like the full the full underneath, and like you can kind of see the mustache. Oh yeah, I love it, man. You look hot as fuck. Like my mustache hair is lighter than my beard hair. It's really annoying. <laughs> no, yeah. Let me see. No, you can like. You could just like probably yeah. like. Let me, let me, let me, let me like, cut over to me. Oh, see if we can see that shit. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you can probably, probably like blend it in a little. Let me, let me, let me, let me see if I like, hang on. Let me see if I can. This can be great for the video. Let me see if I can do this. Let's see. This is uh, no, that's my title. All right, that's Mick. Are you ready? Let's see if I can do this. Uh oh, here we go. Right, see that? Right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that mustache. Look how cute that is. But see, it's, it's a different color. And then like, and then uh, let me zoom out a little bit. <laughs> And then up here, you got the gray streak. The, sil the silver fox. I yeah. call that the silver fox the silver look. Fox. Do you remember George Lois? The silver fox? I do, Joe Lois. He's a savage. Do I love that I can just do that while I'm recording a podcast? I can just, I can just zoom in on my video. That was literally the most savage mood I've seen, uh, sir. Oh, dude, this is the fun of podcasting. This is, this is what I like to do. This is have fun. So literally the, the point of this podcast, Chris, you might, you, might, you might have been wondering why I gathered you here today. Um... Someone's gonna like someone always asks me, like, you know, what is a podcast? What do I talk about? What do I do? I'm just gonna show them this podcast. Like, look, Chris and my one of my best friends. Uh, this is what we did for a podcast for like a little over an hour. But talking about an hour and seven, we're about talking about 75 American minutes right now. <laughs> it's just like, dude, this is what a podcast is. We're just we didn't prep any of this, we just sat down and started talking. Like, I that's that's as easy as it is. I think honestly, that's that's just how it should be. I mean, like you know, we could. I mean, I could talk to you for another like hour if I really wanted to. Yeah. But um. When's maybe, your podcast coming, Chris? I know we gotta we. I gotta see if I could bring that back, man. I got like we got so much crap going on. I know you got a lot of work, seedling agency. So talk like so before we wrap it up. Uh, plug at seedling agency. What it exactly is you guys do? If someone wants to work with you, that whole that whole shebang. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So um, if someone wants to work with us, so our whole mission statement is that we want to provide a six-figure design for a fraction of the cost. And we work in all various industries, um, just for example, infrastructure, health and wellness, the CPG space, uh, you name it, we do it. We focus on branding, logos, um, UX, UI, websites, pitch decks. We've been helping a lot of companies with that recently, social media. And um, how our business model works is um, our clients buy design hours and they get to allocate those design hours for any project they want. And uh, for any hours that they don't use, they roll, it rolls over to the next month. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of what we've been doing. And, um, you know, versus the big box agencies, they tend to charge you an arm and a leg for uh, little things. And, um, and also we have a network of people that could uh, help us out if, uh, Need be, and it's not a charge to, to the client too. So that's yeah, what you gotta, you gotta do it first. You gotta undercut at least at first. It's you know easy to sell if you're cheaper. Um, it is no. I it mean, is. you you well. First off, you as a booking producer, you'd be like, "Will I got him?" I was like, "Who? Him? I got him. The big name. I don't remember who it was, but like, I got him." You're just like, "How?" You're like. I just worked the magic. <laughs> you're just like, you're just like, like, oh, I, just, I, I called. What was that? What was that name? Was it Emily from like the the freight elevator? Oh yeah. Oh oh oh. Uh, what's her name? 
we actually just spoke about I this. I know, but I was like, I was just like, I just, Rachel, 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 Rachel. It's like, you know, because that, that, that building, that freight elevator was a bitch. But you just go, I was called Rachel. You just have this way of making these connections with people where it's just absolutely absurd. So that's great for the entrepreneur spirit because you talk, you could get to talking to people, get them in the door. Carly does all designs and her she designs does. are phenomenal. She did a few of my designs. I think she did. She did a handful. She did one of my, I think she did my Kings of the Rings one. Um, I read my, she did. one of my old ones. The one I have in my hat. She did that one. Um, she did a few others for me. I can't remember. She did my American Minutes one. Oh, guys, yeah, yeah, she RIP to that podcast, but. Uh, that was a good podcast. I love that podcast. Dude, I did too. I'm going to bring Nash on this podcast. We're going to too much give a post more on what happened, why we, why we stopped doing it, and then uh, talk to Nash. So that's coming up soon. But oh, good. Yeah, man. Wild, man. We've been through, we've been through a lot. Um, you're getting married soon. I am. I can't I, wait for the wedding. Uh, I wonder, you know what, before we go, maybe let's just wrap up with the, uh, with the food menu here. Let's do it. I've been hearing this food menu for eight months, so let's go. Dominic. Here it is. Wait. See, I don't even know my dad's. I'm just going to do menu. Is this it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, this is the menu. The appetizer and salad. So, we're going to do a Caesar salad with romaine lettuce and imported Parmesan with seasoned croutons. Oh. Or the Grand Cafe chopped salad with seasoned greens with tomato, carrots, asparagus. I guess hard palm, raspberry vinaigrette, and then a wild mushroom ravioli with a truffle brandy cream sauce. The entree, uh, New York Angus sirloin with a red rind demi-glaze, um, sauteed bronzini with sun-dried tomato and Thai basil uh, buronk, oven roast and freeze half chicken plum sauce, and the dessert, uh, chocolate strappy tort, New York style cheesecake, and then coffee and tea. My God, I think I'm gonna go to the steak. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to do a steak. Wait, wait, Will, I'm, I'm not done. I'm not, not done. What do you mean you're not done? You went through, we, you went through apps, main course, and dessert. The fuck else is there? But there's also, there's going to be stuff passed around. So also we're going to oh, be doing. Oh, the the pre-thing appetizers, like little, little, the, little hot dogs. Even better. Vegetable spring rolls, scallop oh. wraps and bacon, oh. Frank's puff pastries, oh. made a zucchini topped with pesto, Japanese breaded chicken with a honey mustard, oh. and then cold deserves, brie cheese, and pecan bread, jumbo shrimp cocktail, smoked salmon can- canapé, French uh, fresh tomato basil bruschetta, and then uh, Roquefort cheese on Belgian M diet with balsamic vinaigrette. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's that's fucking go. That's the spread. All right, Chris. I'll to bring you back because there's plenty more stories for us to tell. You know, you are the reason I moved to Hoboken. Thank God I love it here. That's um, amazing. You are the reason why I stayed in Jersey. You are the reason I'm going to continue to stay in Jersey. And I know that, you know, even after you're married, um, eventually you're going to move out of Hoboken. Eventually I'm going to move out of Hoboken. But unlike some friends from college or friends from previous life, we just lose touch. I know it's not going to be us. We're going to stay in touch forever. We're going to chat to see each other. Our kids are going to play together. And, they are. Uh, if we have a boy and a girl, they're probably going to get married themselves. <laughs> that, that'll be, yeah, that would, that would be freaking amazing. It would be literal family. It <laughs> would be. We'll be in-laws. Ew, gross. You know what? I hope that doesn't happen. It sounds disgusting. Yeah. But, yeah. 
I mean, can you imagine us being in-laws together? I mean, it would be yeah, kind of crazy. we'd be arguing, like, because that's what <laughs> in-laws do. Um, but, Chris, a twist I have in this podcast, the final question always goes to the guest. Is there anything you've ever wanted to ask me before we wrap it up? Yes. Okay. Um, you can always oh. plead the fifth if you got nothing. No, wait, wait. I could always wanted to ask you. Oh, no, we spoke. Okay, we spoke about that in the in the bathroom room. Um, okay, if I would if I would have to say, if money didn't matter at all, if money didn't matter, to, starting tomorrow, money didn't matter. Um, what would you do? Oh, that's easy. Well, because this this is actually a, a life goal of mine when money's not going to matter. So I want to retire. Um. I- and then after like my kids are grown and out of the house, and, like after my parents die, I want to move to New Zealand and just be a hobbit. Okay. I want to live in the Shire and like live in the hobbit hole. I want to be so rich <laughs> where I buy the Shire and like keep it open as it is, but I just live on the premises. Like <laughs> I, I want to move to New Zealand and just live a life of this pure luxury where money doesn't matter and just live in Middle Earth. That that is that literally legitimately is my like you know Gary V wants to buy the Jets. Yes, I I want to I want I want to buy the Shire. (laughs) Okay, all right. I want to go live in New Zealand like on a goat farm or something, and just explore the country and go. This was filmed here. This was filmed here. You know, live in tour through the Shire. I'd take a job as being a Hobbit. Like, yeah, that sounds amazing. So that's if money didn't matter, that's what I would do. I plan I plan on doing that like after my life in the U.S. is done. I like that, man. I think that's pretty badass, and I'll uh, and I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. That's good. That's right. good, man. All, All right. right. Hopefully, you can take me with you. Yeah, you know it, Chris. It's been a pleasure, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Thank you I for having you. me on. I love you. I love having you, too. you having you on. Uh, we'll be back next time. We'll go in studio. Um, yeah, we'll go up to Montclair. We'll have a few drinks. We'll do it in person. Me, just run it back and do it all over again. But, ladies and gentlemen, that has been another rendition episode. Series edition, whatever the fuck you want to call it, discussion of talking with Tarashuk. I am the Tarashuk. Will Tarashuk. It's T's and Thomas, A R A S H U K. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, make sure to reach out to me at will at APSpodcast.com. Actually, fun fact the very first guest of this podcast, Phil Rico Bono, was brought to me from Chris. Chris introduced me to that guest. So, Chris, if you have any other people you want to have me on this podcast, please introduce me because they have been. Phenomenal guest. I see you shaking your finger. So please. But anyone else out there in the universe, because I know you guys share this across your wide social network. It's probably going to be the highest downloaded episode ever, forever, ever. Email me at will at APSpodcast.com. It's W-I-L-L at A-P-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. And we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. It'll be a little more structured. I don't actually know you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just send me your website, podcast, any information you can about yourself. I come up with the questions, and then uh, we kind of go from there. If you make me go, ooh, congratulations, I want you on the show. But if you make me go, ugh, don't even, don't even talk to me. Scum, dirty, <laughs> gross. <laughs> but I'm Will Tash, guys. Chris Scally. We'll be back. I'll be back talking to who, what, who knows what. I don't know. We'll find out. But I'll see you there because this is talking with Tara Struck, and I'm just gonna keep on talking until I hit stop recording. And I stopped recording. Perfect. I stopped recording. All right, man. All right, man. No, that, was, that was good. Easy peasy, right? Easy peasy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I love it. I love it. I do. So, yeah,